So let me tell you a story. There was this movie that was popular when I was a kid, okay? This movie, it was so popular. We heard all about it, and I had never seen it, but everyone's talking about it. You don't know how that is. I'm going to get the, the buzz. And finally, after hearing about it over and over and over again, I got to go to a friend's sleepover where we saw the movie. And this was like on the brick, like VHS thing that you like slide in and it like sucks in and like goes down and then the screen gets all like fuzzy and then the movie appears. But I was so excited. And so the movie, this is what it's about. It's about these kids. They all grew up together in the neighborhood. They like play together every day. One of them's moving, moving away. So it kind of starts on a downer, this movie. Um, but then they're chilling in the attic because what kids don't chill in the attic, right? And they stumble across a map, which leads them on this adventure. And they go find this long lost treasure. They're chased by bad guys. All this stuff. It's the Goonies, okay? I love the Goonies. Um, and so after that, I saw this movie, and my friends and I then went on you know, a few year period where when we went to play at each other's houses, all of a sudden we were really interested in playing in the attic. And then we were like, hey mom, can I go to the basement? And like pretty much any creepy space that any house contained, that was where we were. Because we were going to find us a map. We're going to get some treasure, because who doesn't like treasure, right? Like, really, we could all do with some treasure. And so we're going to find us a map. And there were a few times, even, that we, like, found things, and we were like, this is a clue. <laughs> but we, we knew it was a clue. Because so we'd be out in the backyard. One time, I even, like, dug a hole that was, like, three feet deep. Like, my mom, I don't know where she was when this happened. Um, but we dug this hole. And she's like, why are you digging? And we're like, treasure. You know, we were going to find treasure. So maybe I was a little obsessive. But, um, you know, we found a lot of old things, a lot of junk, like buttons. I found some really cool old clothes from my dad's marine days, which led to stories about Paris Island, where I was convinced there was also treasure. So I was like, I've got to go to Paris Island. You can't go there um, if you're not in boot camp. But I was going to go there and find treasure for sure, too. We found some, like, rat poop and things like that. But, like, we didn't find any treasure. Um, and it's, it's funny because like when we talk about buried treasure, we talk about like finding treasure, we'd really all be up for that, right? Um, the only problem with my treasure in my hunt for it is I never actually found any, right? And so there was some cool stuff, but nothing that like financially like set me up for life or anything like that. But tonight we're going to read a parable about a guy who did find a treasure, a real one, Okay. And it's in Matthew 13, 44. And like I said, this is my favorite parable. I don't know if it's, um, I mean, I think it's the principle behind it. Also, I'm very ADHD, so if you can fit all of one principle into a sentence, that's really going to work for a jockey. Um, it's Matthew 13, 44. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. And so I love this, because there's tons of things packed into this one sentence. This parable's about the treasure. It basically has two main points. Okay, first, a person discovers something of great value. And second, he sells everything he has in order to gain it. This guy, he didn't want the field near as much as he wanted what he found in the field. Um, the only way to get the treasure, though, was to buy the field. And so that's what he does. 
And it's kind of cool because he knew that the treasure was going to be far worth, far more worth anything, or far more worth what the field ever would be. So he's like selling everything to buy this field to get the treasure. He's like, man, the treasure is worth more than this field is ever going to be. Um, so the main focus of the story, you guys, is the treasure, right? Um, it's talking about the treasure that's worth every sacrifice in order to get it. Okay, so we had our question in breakout times. And it was kind of just to get you guys thinking along these lines. It's like, what could you personally possibly want to find that you would go and sell everything for? You'd give up anything to have it. You know, like, what could you personally want that bad? Have you ever wanted anything that bad? Like, some of you guys might have been like, mm, you know. Um, but some of you guys, like, really, there's things you want. You have desires, and, and desires aren't bad, you know. Um, but this is kind of talking about one principle, desire, and we're getting to get with that. But think about this, okay? Track with me for one minute. So this guy is talking like, he's walking through a field, he, like, stumbles upon something, and then he goes and sells everything. So this is me. Like, I'm selling my guitar. I'm selling my bike. You guys that know me know I'm attached to these things. I sell my car. I sell, I don't know what else I have in my house. Um, but, I, I, mean, I, I mean, I sell everything. The things that are really precious to me. Which, you guys, if you know me, it's like guitar, bike, these are really precious things. I mean, I'm getting rid of it all. And if you were to see me just start selling this stuff, like, I'm getting rid of it, getting rid of it, getting rid of it. You're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I've got, I've got an idea. You're like, what idea? I'm like, what are you doing? Um, it's crazy. But back in that day, it was crazy too. Um, so it's, his friends and family are probably like concerned. He's like, it's okay. I know what I'm doing. And so there's a guy that wrote about this in the book Rad. His name's David Platt. And you guys, I recommend this book. It's so good. If you want to be challenged, like, Radical's the book for you. But this is what he says, and we're going to look at two quotes from him. This is what he says about the parable of treasure. He says, I love this picture. Imagine walking in a field and stumbling upon a treasure that is more valuable than anything else you could work for or find in this life. It's more valuable than all you have now or you will ever have in the future. You look around and realize that no one else realizes the treasure's here. So you cover it up and you walk away pretending you haven't seen anything. You go into town and you begin to sell off all of your possessions until you have enough money to buy the field. The world thinks you're crazy. What are you thinking your friends and family are asking? You tell them, I'm buying that field over there. And they look at you in disbelief. That's a ridiculous investment, they say. Why are you giving away all you have? You reply, I have a hunch. And you smile to yourself as you walk away. You smile because you know you know at the end, you're not really giving anything away at all. Instead, you are gaining. Yes, you're abandoning all you have, but you're also gaining more than you could have any other way. So with joy, with joy, you sell it all. You abandon all. Why? Because you found something worth losing everything else for. And so, what will make you do that? What would make you go that crazy and sell everything? What could you possibly find that would, that would make you just crazy, like, I'm getting rid of it all? What would do that? And, and so when we talk about this treasure, let's talk about this treasure a little bit. It's not talking about he found one coin. Because look, you guys, if you find a coin on the ground, pick it up, and put it in your pocket, and keep going. He's not talking about coin, which is kind of funny, because we were talking in life group this week, 
And um, David was talking about when college students need money. Just like, when we need money and we're college, you know, we're like looking in the sofa cushions, we're like searching under the bed, we're emptying out our old purses, like we're gonna find us some money. But this isn't that kind of money, okay? When you look at the word in the original language, it's sorrows, which means a storehouse of precious things or stored up treasure. So we're talking about a significant amount. Another interesting thing here is that we get the idea that he wasn't looking for it, right? From our parable, we get the idea that he's just kind of walking along and he stumbles across it. And so he's walking and he's like, something of great value, you know? He's not looking. But here's the cool thing. When he finds it, he recognizes what he's found and his life changes because of it. And he does everything he can to possess it. So according to Jesus, this is exactly how it is with the kingdom of heaven. And so if we go back to our radical book, this is what David Platt says. He says, this is a picture of Jesus in the gospel. He is something, someone worth losing everything for. And if we walk away from the Jesus of the gospel, we walk away from eternal riches. And then I love this, you guys. I couldn't write anything this cool, so listen. He says, the cost of non-discipleship is profoundly greater for us than the cost of discipleship. For when we abandon the trinkets of this world and respond to the radical invitation of Jesus, we discover the infinite treasure of knowing and experiencing him. And I love that he says that. I think he kind of puts it in a way that I would have never thought to put it. He says, the cost of non-discipleship, the cost of not following Jesus, is infinitely more costly than the cost of following him. Because we have so much to gain from following Jesus. I love that. So when we talk about the kingdom of heaven, we see that in this parable. It's talking about finding God. So it's talking about salvation. Yes, but then it can also be talking about deeper than that. Like living in the reality of the presence of God. So when he's saying the kingdom, it's saying we can live in the reality every moment of the presence of God. And it's also talking about like we find Jesus for the first time. So we kind of have this parable on two levels. And so the first one, I kind of like it to my experience coming to Christ. So you guys remember my story before. Some of you haven't. But in high school, I did not grow up in a Christian home. I did not grow up loving Jesus. I didn't grow up with any of that around. And so I was running with a bad crowd. I was like dating a messed up guy. Home life was a mess. And I kind of found myself in this rock bottom situation. Okay, what had happened was this, I had, I had been raped by my boyfriend, and I thought I was pregnant at 15, which was pretty traumatic, and my home life wasn't such that I could go be like, hey, mom, dad, help, um, or I didn't feel like I can. I probably really could have done something to that effect, but I was too afraid, and I didn't think that it would, that it would go well. So I, alone in my room, guys alone in the room, got down on my knees, and I cried out to God, and I was like, hey, God, if you're real, would you reveal yourself to me? And if I'm honest, like, so entirely honest, I did not expect anything to happen. But I was desperate, and I was like, maybe this God guy, maybe there's something to him. So I got down on my knees, and I prayed. And you guys, I kid you not, the presence of the God, God became so real in that moment, so absolutely completely real that my life was changed forever. Like, I did not get up the same person. I didn't pray the, like, sinner's prayer, like they call it in church. I didn't know what that was. I was just like, hey, God, if you're real, I need you. And he became so real that I got changed. 
And then I started trying to figure out how to follow him. And you guys, I didn't know that job at first because I had no idea. There was nobody teaching me, but I was like, this Jesus, he's real, and I need to figure out who he is. And so to me, this parable, I think it speaks to me on that level of like that very first experience I ever had with the presence of God, which just, I got down on my knees not really expecting anything. You know, up until that point, like, God was just this thing that the church people do, and I dress wrong. And, you know, like, in my head, I was just like, sure, I'll give it a try. I'm desperate. And he was so completely real and so completely beautiful, and I felt, like, love and acceptance in this time that I didn't feel love or accepted. And, and just all this washed over me. And it was kind of like this guy going through the field who just, like, trips in, like, through the storehouse of treasure. I didn't see it coming. You know, the second one, so that's kind of talking about, sometimes we find salvation that way. The second one, when we talk about living in the reality of God's presence, you guys, that might sound crazy to you. There are many of us who have no concept of wanting something spiritually so much that we will give up anything in, able to have, in order to have it. There are many who have no understanding that it's even possible to have this kind of relationship with God or this intimate knowledge of God and who He is. There's this really great Bible scholar whose name is R.T. Kendall. He puts it this way. He says, if you realize the potential of such a relationship with God, you would be so excited by it that you would be willing to lose your head in order to have more of God. And he says this. He says, it's possible to lose your head and keep it at the same time. You lose your head in your joy, knowing God, and you don't care what people think. You don't care if they think you're crazy. Yet you're probably at your sanest. When you come to a place when you abandon all else but your desire for God. He says, once you have truly experienced God's presence, your money, your reputation, your love for the world, or fear of what people will say, and all of that pales into insignificance. So he's asking us, have you ever wanted to hear God that bad? Have you ever wanted to encounter Him? Have you ever wanted Him in that way? That you're willing to give up anything? Um, so a story to kind of explain this from my own life that I could come up with. It's so after I became a Christian, after all this happened, I didn't know how to live for God, but there was a church like a mile from my house. So as soon as I could drive, because a mile seemed really far to walk, I don't know. Um, as soon as I could drive, I started going there, and they had a youth group. And as I started going to the youth group, I remember hearing people talk about hearing God's voice. And at first I was like, What? Because, I mean, I had experienced his presence, but I did not hear any, like, Jackie or, or anything like that. And so, I'm like, hearing God's voice, what are they talking about? I don't, I don't understand. And so, then, like, they kept talking about hearing God's voice. And this was perplexing. And I'm like, hey, they keep talking about it. Like, it wasn't one-time thing where I can ignore it. You know, because sometimes people say crazy things, but they never hear it again. So, you don't worry about it very much. They kept talking about hearing God's voice, like these people. And then these people I really knew well and respected talked about hearing God's voice. They started to get a little bit like, okay, maybe this is a real thing. So then I just thought they were like spiritual super people, like they're like super stay and they're like, you know, level whatever prestige Christians, like, like they hear God's voice. Um, but the more I heard about it, it's kind of like, this little spark started, and then it kind of like grew like a fire. Because I started wanting to be like, I started thinking, I wonder if I could hear God's voice. So at first I was like, no, 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 no. I couldn't. 
But then it kind of just kind of kept growing and growing. And I was like, man, I want to hear his voice. And I started praying, and I was like, hey, God, do you think you would talk to me? You know? And then it got a little bit more, and I was like, Lord, I want to hear your voice. And it kind of came to this place where if you hung out with me for very long, if, if you, like, listened to me, if you asked me what I was thinking about, like, I could be sitting watching TV and being like, like, I mean, I was, like, kind of obsessed. So I was like, I want to hear the voice of God. I want to hear it. And, and so I stayed after it. And I would ask the Lord, and he'd be like, will you speak to me? And I'd hear nothing. And I'd hear nothing. And I, I mean, I would, like, sit for, like, long stretches of time, like, I'm really listening, you know, probably looking quite constipated, trying to hear the voice of God. And I'm like, God, I want to hear your voice. I want to hear you so bad. And then um, one day, finally, 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 I was praying. And it was like, I didn't hear the Jackie. I don't know what I thought his voice was going to be like, but I want to hear God speak to me. And um, I was praying, and I just felt like this really strong impression on my heart of, like, something I should do. And I, and I was like, well, that's crazy. Not like I had asked anybody, like, what's it like when God speaks to you? I didn't ask, I didn't think to ask that question. That would have been a really good one. Um, but I was a really strong impression on my heart of something I should do. And I was like, that's crazy. You know, but then it, it kept coming back. It's crazy. And then I was like, no, I made it up. But then as I thought about it, it was something I would never make up because it was something I didn't want to do. And no one had suggested it, nothing. And um, so, so at that point, I was like, okay, maybe this really is God. Maybe he's speaking to me. Maybe he's leading me. Um, and and I, so I'll tell you what it was to illustrate it. At that time, like I said, our family was in a really broken place. And so as I waited on the voice of the Lord, maybe I heard him before and I didn't understand, I didn't recognize it, I didn't know what that was. But I promise you, the, the impression on my heart, I didn't hear audible words, but the impression on my heart, which is kind of the way that God speaks to me, was, hey Jackie, you need to tell your mom you love her. Now, for those of you guys who have a great home life where everything is going peachy keen, cool, Jesus, I'll obey you. At this point, our family was really broken. And my mom was really sick, and we weren't speaking. And so I went straight home. No. So I went and walked around Walmart for hours. <laughs> because I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And it, it, like, it was a big deal. I mean, I had an emotional response to it. It's like crying, so then that's when I drove to Walmart. I was like, I'm just going to walk around it, walk around it, walk around it. And as I was walking, it was Valentine's time of year, which is why I wasn't walking outside, because it was freezing. Um, I walked past the Valentine's aisle, and there were these little teddy bears, okay? And I saw this, like, cute little teddy bear, he had a heart on his tummy, and it, I mean, it was like $5 or something, and I bought it, and I was like, okay, I'm going to take this, and if this is really you, Lord, you're going to give me courage. So, like, I kid you not, I drive home with that bear, I, like, walk in the house, and she's up. And at that, at that point, she had been really sick, and so she was usually in bed. And then she was, like, up in the living room. And I, like, walk up to her. I shove the bear in her hands, probably with, like, way too much force. And I was like, I love you. And I started crying and ran out the door. And I don't even know if I came home that night. Um, but it was kind of like when I left and I kind of processed 
Um, and, and I, you know, I started, I was like, okay, God, I think I heard you, because I still didn't really know what that's like. I think I heard you. I did the thing. And it was like, from that time when I obeyed, I really started to learn what his voice was like and hear him more clearly. And that part of my walk with, his, with him grew. Like, it grew exponentially. Like, I had, like, a best friend, and we would stay up all night, just like praying, talking to God, saving him. And before that, it had been inconceivable to stay up and pray all night. You know, and, like, before that, it was like, who would want to stay up and pray all night? When you start to hear, and God starts to speak back to you, man, those things become super sweet. But it was, it was all because of this thing he spoke to me. And I think this one kind of relates to the sell all. Because for me, it was a really high price. Things were really broken. It was really terrifying. And I did not want to go home for like hours after that. Because I didn't know. But when I finally went home, and I finally walked in the door, I heard, thank you. That was it. But from the place of a very broken relationship, that's where the Lord started to heal. And heal in our family. And it's really cool because like now we have relationships. We talk most days. Um, our family isn't broken like it was. And the Lord is like been moving. This is this has been over 15 years, but the Lord has been moving and restoring in our family. And sometimes I wonder like what if I hadn't done that stupid thing, like terrified little kid with like the <laughs> I love you, run. Um, you know, but but I'm so glad I did, and I'm so glad the Lord spoke to me. And I was so entirely sure it with him because how I would have come up with that plan. I'm not going to save my life. I would have just let things stay broken. You know, but for me, it was selling a lot. This guy in the parable, he found something. He realized it was an incredible work. And he sold all in order to possess it. So Jesus here, he's reminding us of the importance of recognizing and seizing an opportunity of recognizing what is authentic and going after it. And so has anything ever gripped you like this? You know, what would your life be like if you wanted God like this? If you encountered God in the kind of way that makes you want to sell everything, like what would your life become? What would that be like? Another example of this that I find in the Bible is Paul. Um, this happened to him on the road to Damascus. He wasn't on the way to Damascus to feed for your people, okay? He wasn't on the way to Damascus to give clothes to those who needed clothes. He was on the way to Damascus to put Christians in jail and have them killed. That was his mission. And if you want to read about it, you can read in Acts 9. But he was struck to the ground in a moment, off his horse, struck blind, and encountered God. And from that moment began a relationship with Christ, and his life did a complete 180. Instead of killing Christians, he started leading people to Christ. And this is what he said about it in Philippians 3, verses 7 and 8. He said, Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish that I may gain in Christ. So all of Paul's previous achievements, the person he had become, he considered them rubbish compared to knowing Christ. And Tim Keller says this, he says, 
When you discover that which is truly authentic, you're prepared to lose everything else in order to gain it. I'll say it again because I think it's really cool. And it's, it's really what the heart of what Jesus is teaching us here is. When you discover that which is truly authentic, you're prepared to lose everything else in order to gain it. So we're going to look at the next parable. This, was, this is the one about the pearl. Still kind of keeping with treasure thieves. In Matthew 13, 45 and 46, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. So you guys, at first look, these parables look pretty similar, right? You're like, okay, is this just repetition? Like, Jesus really wants us to get this principle? Um, however, there's one really, really key difference. So when we read about the merchant, it says that he was on the lookout. If you look at the ESV version, it says he was in search of. Or if you look in the NASB, it says he was seeking. He was looking for the pearl of great price. He was seeking a pearl of great value. He's looking for this pearl, seeking it out. So this isn't talking about someone who just stumbles upon something great, like we just read, but someone who's seeking diligently for it. So this, this parable is kind of honing in on the seeking. And it says that he's a merchant. So we can understand that he's probably a jeweler. He's probably super well-versed in what he's looking for. He might even be a scholar that specifies in pearls. And he's seeking the very best one. And I think the distinction that Jesus is making here between the treasure parable and the pearl parable is that sometimes we just stumble upon the kingdom. Like sometimes we're just walking in line. Oh, there's God. And sometimes, for some of us, you know, like, we're just somewhere in, like, salvation happens. We have a God that happens in a second. We're standing in Kaiapha and like, we encounter God's presence. Right? Others of us, we're more like the merchant and we're seeking God out. We're waiting, we're looking, we're pursuing. I think the thing Jesus wants us to get is that once they find it, both of them knew what to do with it. Both the guy that just, like, bam, is there, and both the guy that sought it out, when they find it, they know what to do with it. So let us be an encouragement that we're all different. We probably have seasons of each of these in our lives. We probably have seasons of like finding God or we pray answers right away. We probably have seasons of seeking and seeking and seeking and getting weary and tired, but then finding God. Um, So if you find yourself in a season of seeking, be encouraged because God delights in that heart that seeks after him. And in Jeremiah 29, 13, just to encourage you, it says this. It says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. You guys, I think this is a great invitation, and it's a great challenge. That if you seek God wholeheartedly, he promises he'll be found. So if you keep seeking and keep seeking and keep seeking, you're like, man, God, it seems like you're not there. Like, eventually, he's going to show himself to you. And I think Jesus gives us the second parable precisely because there will be those seasons that we all face Maybe God seems hidden, or we really need to seek him out on something. He's telling us ahead of time that it's normal, and we should seek. And so we're going to look at these parables from the other side before we close. Okay? Last week we heard about the parables of lost saints from Joey. We heard about the prodigal son and how the father waited for him to welcome him home. We read about the woman who searches her whole house. Um, We read about the shepherd who goes after his lost sheep. In each of these parables, they tell us something about God and his kingdom, right? It's the point of all the parables to learn about God and his kingdom. 
They also teach us something about God's heart for us. So all of these parables, they teach us something about God's heart towards me, God's heart towards me. Um, and so we're to follow Christ and become like him. That's part of what he's teaching us, follow and become like him. So I read these. Not only does it tell us that we should sell off for the treasure, it also tells us that we are treasures that Jesus has sold all for. Okay? He's not just asking us to sell everything. He's saying, I've sold everything. He's not telling us to seek him like a merchant who seeks a fine pearl. He's all saying, I've sought you and I've given up everything in order to make you my own. You know, so on the one hand, he says, seek me like I'm this pearl of great price. And the other thing he's saying, that's how I sought you. That's what you are to me. And so, you guys, in this, when we talk about selling off, I really do think that these parables are a call for us to sell off and, and to give all to Christ. But he's not asking us to do something or to give something that he hasn't already given for us. And he hasn't already given to us. When we talk about that, we're talking about the cross. You know, the, the Bible tells us that we're, we're all sinners. We've all done wrong things. We've all fallen short in some way. But Jesus, he came to this earth and he lived a perfect, holy life. He lived a sinless life. He worked miracles. He walked on this earth healing and teaching. And then he went to the cross in our place to die the sinner's death that we deserve. Right? And the cool thing is that he didn't stay dead. He rose again three days later. And he rose victorious. And because of that, Instead of deserving punishment that we deserve because of our sin, we can have eternal life and salvation because of what he's done. And so when you look at these parables, he's telling us to sell all, but he's saying, do you give all for me because I've given all for you? And like that's the heart behind it. He's not asking us just to give up everything just because, because he wants to like rule our life like a dictator. He's saying, I want you to give up everything because I love you, and I've given up everything for you, and I want that relationship with you. And he knows that when we give up all to see him, that's the best life possible for us. It really is. And so, we should also understand that when he teaches us these things, to seek him, to sell off for him, he isn't asking us to do this thing that he hasn't done, and he knows that someday we're going to go to heaven and see him face to face, and we do, we'll know he was right, and we'll know it was worth it all. And you guys, like, sometimes it's really easy. And trust me, I've been in college. I've been in busy seasons. I know. Like, it's easy to be like, yeah, someday I'm going to go to heaven with you, God. But, like, right now, and right here. But you guys, I've had, like, tough seasons. I've had just straight up terrible seasons and terrible days. But seriously, the thing that gets me through is knowing that, like, one day in eternity, I'm going to see Jesus face to face. And it is going to be so worth it worth of everything. Um, C.S. Lewis puts it like this. He says that when we get into eternity, we're going to realize that we are only reading the inside of the, the front cover of the story of our life. Like all of this, it's, we're not going to a preface. Does that make sense? Like, like all of this is just like the beginning notes, and we've not even really begun chapter one. When we step into eternity, we'll begin chapter one, and then we'll have a story that goes eternally. But if we could understand just like what a drop this life is in like the giant ocean that is eternity, 
Like it's gonna be so worth it. So worth it. So great. Um. So what is it worth to you? What will you sell off for? That's the question posed to us tonight. I think that's why I love this parable. So you guys, I I think I read that David Platt book when we lived in Knoxville, so it's been about five years ago. I read it, and there's not a month that I don't come back to this parable just alone in my prayer time with God that he doesn't challenge me and say, like, hey, Jackie, are you selling off? You know, and every time I take inventory of my life, it's like, I'm never like, yes, I sold everything. Because, you know what, tomorrow's another day, and tomorrow we'll have other desires. And so it's kind of a continuous, like, yeah, we'll say, God, I'm all in for you. That's this continuous, like, walking out of, like, if I take inventory of my life today, is there some desire that's, like, come up, or is there something that I'm holding on to too much, and, like, maybe I need to lay it down. And, and tomorrow, there might be a whole other thing, you know, but it's this continual process of giving off, of selling off. You know, and so, like, for me and the Lord, that's the phrase. Is he's like, Jackie, sell off. That's what I hear in my heart when I pray. And I pray through his prayer, it's like, sell off. And so it's kind of a challenge to give to you guys, sell off. And so, you know what? What's it worth to you? What's worth selling off for? Um, so we're going to pray. And I want to pray about three things, okay? The first one is salvation. So if you're sitting here and... You're saying, hey, I don't have that treasure of relationship with Jesus. And I really do want it. Um, you know, you guys, that's the most important decision you can make ever in this whole world. And so if you want to do that tonight, we're going to have a moment to pray for that. And I just encourage you, like, seriously, that's the most important thing, to start your relationship with Christ. You know, and, and then it's like the, the book starts. So if, if you're not there, the book hasn't even started. The man, he wants that relationship with you. He's given so much. He sought you out like that girl to give his life for you that you can be in a relationship with him. So we'll pray for salvation. The second thing is is seeking more. So if you want to ask the Lord to give you a heart to seek him, really seek him. If you may in one of those seasons that he feels hidden or you're just like waiting and the road is feeling like really long, and you're like, hey God, help me to keep seeking you. We're going to pray for that. And the third thing is selling off. So, like, Mary, maybe there's an area. As we've talked, the Lord's kind of just putting his finger on and tapping on the shoulder, and he's like, hey, like, what's that thing? Take me. Um, so if the Lord's putting his finger on something and saying, like, give that up for the sake of the lightning, we're going to pray for that, okay? So you guys will bow your heads. Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity. Lord, the opportunity to share about you, share about your greatness and how good you are. Lord, how you're worth giving off for us. Jesus, you have given off for us. And God, I just pray you bless everyone here. And God, that you would help us to know you more. Jesus, come do what you want to do tonight. Come do what you want to do tonight.